this is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new fear along with special guest surprises and lots of discoveries along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And uh, uh, Jeff, b- before we get started, uh, I just just wanted, you know, uh, uh, do, you, do you know... Do you, do you know stuff about about boinking? <laughs> boinking. <laughs> uh, do you, like, uh, what, what's your what's your what's your carnal knowledge like? Uh, or I've you... seen uh, I've heard that there's videos online that what? will uh, show you stuff. Yeah. Do they include full coitus? Uh, yeah, certain websites do for sure. Whew. Because I, I, I've, I've been listening to uh, uh, some uh, uh, some things, and I realize that I have lots to learn. Uh, but you know, uh, Jeff, sometimes I I don't know where to go or who to ask, and uh, that's why I'm very glad that today on our episode we are joined by a special guest to help us explore today's subject, which is fear of sex work. Fear of sex work. Now, joining us in the virtual studio, uh, we have our uh, special guest joining us. Uh, Our special guest today is a native Californian who received her undergraduate degree in Berkeley, MBA in Los Angeles, and commercial pilot's licenses in Arizona, while spending nearly most of her life working as a published model. She loves her friends, her family, and her dog. Our guest has been on the cover of magazines such as Maxim, FHM, and Playboy. Inside Sports Illustrated, GQ, and Esquire has written for Consumer Health Digest and is also a member of Menza. She has combined nearly 200,000 followers on Instagram at AmyTaylorLA and Twitter at AmyTaylor1. And check her out at AmyTaylor.com. Please welcome Amy Taylor. Yay! Uh, thank you very much, Amy, for for joining us. Uh, you know, I feel like me <laughs> in where I am in my life. In some ways, I I'm the same that I was about you know 20 years ago. I'm there's still so I have still have so many questions about about sex. <laughs> it feels weird to say the word sex. Is that is that me? No. That, uh, <laughs> Before we, we might before be saying we, it a lot on this episode, so you might want to get used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Now, uh, before we get started, uh, Amy, how are you today? I'm great. It's nice to be talking to you guys. It's nice to be talking to anybody this year. So, yeah, true. Hi. Yes. <laughs> nice to be social. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, and the beauty, you know, uh, uh, the unfortunate beauty of, you know, during the pandemic where we are currently recording this. Are uh, you are joining us from from LA, where where you yeah. are? Uh, so we're glad to have you joining us virtually uh, that way. Now, um, uh, this topic it's uh, it's one that I'm very glad that you know we can talk about here in uh, 2020. You know, on podcasts, uh, but you know, I, I don't think it's always been this way. Uh, uh, talking about sex hasn't always been that open or that public, has it? No, and it's still not. Certainly, um, depending upon where you are in the world, um, it's really forbidden to talk about. Um, 
sex work makes people pretty uncomfortable, even where mm. it's legitimized. You know, in your country, uh, sex workers are given more rights than they are in my country, uh, unfortunately for us. But um, yeah, the reason I, I do, I believe that us being othered and um, sort of hidden away and closeted doesn't help anybody because then mm. it's sort of this this pretend group of people that don't really exist and that can be can be sort of marginalized and harmed even more and and that's sort of silly sex work is a pretty integral part of society and despite people's discomfort with sex everybody has sex everybody mm -hmm. does it that's not yeah. to say that it needs to be you know thrown a bandied about in places where that's inappropriate like like other things that everybody does that are somewhat private but it's it needn't be so fear inducing that, that we harm people who either work in the sex industry or who are customers of the sex industry. I'm pretty sick of that, that, that a lot of the world wants to believe that sex workers and their customers are sort of throwaway people. Cause they're not, mm. and there's millions of us and you know, now that, that brings us around to our, our first question. The same question we ask on, on every episode. Um, are people afraid of sex work or sex workers? Yes. Um, so I think not only are they afraid, but sort of confused and disgusted by, mm. and, and maybe all of that stems out of fear. So you did a really fascinating episode on people being afraid of kink. And I think mm. that sort of butts up against this, that people are afraid of sexuality in general. But I think the reasons... So the reasons that 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 are uh, that a lot of women are afraid of sex workers is sort of we are often considered to be a scab on the union line of the way that mm. women traditionally had sex, which was in marriage, sanctioned by that, you know, religiously sanctioned, sanctioned by the state. And if somebody's doing that in another way, without marriage, without sort of the uh, legal and religious commitment, that is often considered a threat to the union of marriage and the status of the wife, right? Uh, women yeah. traditionally gained all their status by becoming a wife and having children. And anybody who subverts that and does different is fear inducing because, you know, what is this person doing? That's, that's messing with the whole system. And then the yeah. reason that men are often afraid of us is it's, it's hard to control a woman who's not ashamed of her sexuality. It's, mm. it's uh, a little bit confusing. A woman who sort of lives sexually free in the way that men traditionally did, but women were supposed to be more modest and pious or at least pretend they were. Um, so it's a confusing kind of a person. And then the, us being closeted allows people to pretend that we don't really exist and there aren't millions and millions of us. And so that's fear inducing because it's sort of confusing to just meet one and go, Oh my God, I didn't know these were really flesh and blood people that are also yoga instructors and wives and mothers and meeting you at whole foods or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just another typical fear of the unknown. We yeah. all know why we were closeted. We're closeted because of the fear of repercussion and criminalization in a lot of countries forces people into the closet. But I liken it to sort of the LGBT thing where people were afraid of uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer people because they thought they didn't know one. And, and now we know how ridiculous that is. Uh, yeah, it's that, it's that fear of being othered, uh, like you yeah. said earlier. Um, it's that, you know, people aren't fitting into that box, that, that yeah. expectation of, of everybody else because they're slightly different um, or have different thoughts uh, than other people. Also, I think it's a, a way to 
control a woman's body as well, which which sure you know, and and like to do. you can you can imagine that when uh when sex always led to or most of the time led to the creation of people you know before birth mm. control and and abortion rights that was pretty important that a man didn't want to be raising people that weren't sort of his kin you know mm, that's yeah. pretty normal in most animals that that the male would not want that so there was this sort of effort to control the uterus and the possessor of the uterus as sort of the creator of one's own progeny right so yeah yeah the recency of birth control and abortion rights, you know, it's very recent in the history of human beings. So maybe we haven't caught up with it yet, perhaps. Um, yeah. The sort of the, the other fear, of course, is the, is the fear of abandonment, right? So let's say you have a, a loved one and that loved one wants to have sex with other people, either sex workers or not sex workers. That is a that's a scary thing to you because what you're not really scared of the sex. You're scared of the potential for abandonment. If they like the sex better with yeah. that person and maybe there's some chemistry, they might leave. And, and that's that a really sucks. good point. Um, that's actually uh, an episode I've wanted to do for a while as well as um, fear of uh, non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, the I've, I've friends that are uh, polyamorous um, and I find that, that fascinating. I think it's really liberating. Um, it's, it's not something I would be able to subscribe to. Um, but I think it's great for people who can do that. Um, yeah. and I think there's a lot of parallels there. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that people who are polyamorous are like sex workers. That's not what I'm saying. Not about. always. But, no, uh, but we're jealous creatures, right? We're, when you really yeah. like somebody, there's a certain base desire, childlike desire to possess them. And it's maybe not a good thing, but it is pretty universal. Not always. Like yeah. you said, polyamorous people are maybe more evolved than the rest of us. But sometimes when we love somebody, we don't really want them to have these great sexual experiences with other people. There's, a, there's also the money argument. You know, uh, a wife is not thrilled if her husband is spending a lot of the family's money on a sex worker. The law, mm-hmm. at least in America, says that that money is half hers, right? Community property. So the law even says that he's sort of not supposed to do that or, or half of it's hers. So mm-hmm. there's the, re- and I I think there's also a lot of fear that maybe these sex workers are better at sex, or a lot of the the really tippy top sex workers are very beautiful and fascinating and accomplished women. So there's maybe some envy. A lot of the clients are men with money, and that's somebody somebody that a lot of us envy. A, a guy who can who can hire models and take them on yachts for a week. You know, that's that's the sort of there's envy sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I find it interesting that that people tend to blame the sex worker for that uh, when when it's the person procuring the the sex worker that it's more of the issue with. If you don't have if you have a relationship and and somebody is uh, going out and uh, hiring a sex worker, it's not the sex worker's fault <laughs> that's happening. Not the fact that the sex worker exists that it's happening. Right, and if in some magical alternate universe, sex work did not exist. Spoiler alert, not possible, but if it didn't, uh, <laughs> that that customer, if they had assets to devote to it, would would find some other way, the neighbor, the au yeah. pair, the nanny, yeah. the, the friend. So, right, uh, to, to force monogamy is a, is a fantasy. Now, we often mm. do write laws and try to aspire to a society that we know we're not going to reach. It doesn't mean we sort of don't, don't try. So, but it's a mm-hmm. bit like the criminalization of drugs, right? It didn't work because you wanted a sort of drug-free society, but that's not possible. 
Uh, mm -hmm. People like to get high. And for all the damage yeah. drugs often do, they also contribute to a lot of fun nights and people meeting yeah. and falling in love and starting businesses together. These these things are not sort of good or bad. They are both, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. This uh, uh, it, this is a, a good reminder that that in general I uh, need to do more, um, you know, research in general on like so many things that affect so many parts of life and society, even outside of my own knowledge base. Because you know, because um, as we're having this conversation, you know, there's you know, uh, I've read stories in the past of of people who perhaps are differently abled who who still have uh, you know sexual desires and needs that that need to be taken care of and so you know they will they will hire a, a sex worker to help them take care of their needs and I if my memory serves me correct I think that there are even I want to say like a European a European country of course it'd be a European country there is. Uh, that uh, Jeff, if I'm jumping on something of your research, I apologize. Oh, friend. I did. Um, I did the research, but it's great that you're jumping on it. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but yeah, it's a, a, where, where the government will provide these services for, for their citizens who need it. And I'm like, of course, you know, just like there's mental health services, just like there's, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, services for people who are again differently abled, uh, who who need assistance around their home or, or in the workplace. I think that you know, uh, again, we are all people, and if you have sexual needs, then yeah, you should be able to get those taken care of. I enjoy it when the research that I do actually comes up in the conversation. That country <laughs> is Denmark. Thank you for that. Yeah. So as usual, the Scandinavians are super evolved and yeah it's so it's not even just that but um there are kinks that maybe somebody's married they discover they've got a kink the spouse doesn't want to meet that so what's the solution uh mm -hmm. mar marital rape is not legal <laughs> you can't force somebody to do something just because they're your spouse now let's say that's the thing you really need to be satisfied and not go crazy and be miserable should you get divorced? Should you try to find a new partner? Well, if you've got kids and homes, untangling all that is not without without costs and problems. Or finding a professional to meet those needs. Yeah, I think it's sort of um, you know, sexual communism. It spreads mm -hmm. it spreads spreads the opportunity to those who maybe wouldn't otherwise have the same opportunities. And I don't actually see a problem with that. The argument is made in my country that that people like people like me are victims that we don't know our own minds and we can't consent and that that somehow dating somebody who you know maybe you dated because you liked them enough and they supported you was less valid than you dating them because you met on Tinder and had the hots for them because maybe they were physically more appealing which is a sort of right. fleeting fleeting happy accident of time and genetics yeah. uh I find that insulting that, that sex workers are not allowed to consent for whatever bodily autonomy reason we want or for the reason of financial need. That is yeah. consent and as valid as any other as any other type of consent. Why is it okay yeah. if you got the hots for them or you're lonely or bored, but not if they support you and they're nice to you? What's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. Now, now, one thing that I wanted to to ask um, or kind of clear up as well, when we're saying the the, the term sex work, um, I, I wanted to kind of talk about what the difference between 
a sex worker is, an escort, and then a sugar baby. So some people would say those are just semantics differences. If you sort of Wikipedia, sex work is the overarching umbrella of anybody who's involved in the sex industry, including pornography, cam workers, dominatrixes, uh, escorts, sugar babies, strippers, anybody who's sort of doing either in, in the flesh touch sexual contact of mm-hmm. any kind or virtual, like a cam worker, all these OnlyFans that's exploding in COVID times. And oh, yeah. actually everybody who's sort of crew, photographers, webmasters, anybody who's ancillarily managing them or, you know, agents or publicists or all these people. That's sex work as an industry. The reason that term was coined, I'm going to forget her name, who was who coined the term, was to sort of take back stigma. Um, mm. So... The problem, of course, becomes legality. So escorts, they charge for time, not sex. And that's largely because you cannot charge for sex acts. And there's also something a bit sort of more elegant and classy about um, not demanding this particular act. There's still, even in the sex industry, a bit of a bit of an off-putting attitude toward the blatant sort of brothel model of, you know, this amount of money for this particular act, which is pretty reductionist. Right. It's honest. And, uh, and it's easier to understand, but, uh, and then the sugar baby is the sort of more extension of the escort term where the first, my understanding is the first few dates don't include sex. The money is not as sort of, uh, firmly organized per hour or per act. It's sort of a, maybe a monthly allowance or something like that. And it's more, a bit more of a relationship. And there is, I think, a I think often more of an expectation of relative monogamy, maybe not total, but, uh, but that's my understanding of the sugar baby world. Is that it's a bit of a spectrum, right? Now, uh, now Amy, uh, you are, uh, an, an escort. Um, if, if, uh, and, uh, I also went to, uh, and I encourage all of our, uh, listeners to visit, amytaylor.com amytaylor.com uh or is it or or is it fairer to say uh, that you are the world's most exclusive model Uh, i love that tagline well our tagline is our tagline is really lagging behind compared to that tagline uh world's most exclusive podcast (laughs) it's i that doesn't that sound so douchey yeah, so, so the word escort, mm-hmm. it's legal, but in my country, they're just deciding that that means prostitute, which is unfortunately criminalized. So I'm not allowed to say I'm an escort, and no matter how many times I tell the world that I'm not paid to explicitly mm. offer sex acts, they say that I am. So so these are, these are semantics issues, which, you know, mm-hmm. that word, unfortunately, is a problematic word. Mm. So, uh, thank you I for mean, thank you. Thank you for for clearing that up. I totally understand. Um, in your in your work, then as a as a private model, um, what is a, a do you find that you know? Do your friends and family, you know, do they do they understand your work? Um, do they ask you lots of questions about it? Are some of them apprehensive or or worried about you doing this work? Yeah, how is your experience from that side? Um, yeah, so, so my family loves me. I'm lucky. A lot of 
my coworkers get ex- get estranged and disowned and all of the above. Um, they do not love what I do. They would like me very much to retire soon. I'm sure I'm retiring soon. It's been a nice ride, but it's maybe not too long till it's time for other things. But uh, they don't like it. They worry about me, um, and for good reason. I've had mostly wonderful times, but a couple of bad things have happened. Um, and uh, they might, you know, might have had danger in my life if I hadn't done this. Who knows? It's impossible to say. Mm. Um, right. But they use sometimes they ask questions. Uh, sometimes my dad, when I got outed, my father said, "I don't know why anybody pays that kind of money to hang out with you. You are not that nice." <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> I, and of course i could have cracked some joke about the nature of the hanging out but i decided not right. to do that to my fa- my own father oh. um yeah i mean and and honestly i'll be honest i've been seeing one person for several years now so it's getting right. out of the loop um the first couple of years you're meeting all your new friends and you are seeing a lot of guys um, but that's many many years ago now over a decade ago till it since it was like that um, what happens is you tend to find your favorites and then you kind of sail off into the sunset and it's pretty, pretty boring. Some, I have friends who've married their clients, several friends who have, mm. um, it happens. So, that's um, awesome. that's beautiful. That is, yeah. Beautiful. yeah. Or not yeah. or whatever. I have, yeah. um, I have a couple of friends who are retired who are tycoons in business, like very well-known businesswomen and, uh, and doing wonderful in other things, as you would expect, they're gorgeous and smart and sexy and fun. And it's not surprising that they are doing great and in other driven entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That is, uh, cause I think that, you know, when, if you are, uh, if you are a private model, like any other entrepreneur, you got to get your word out there. You got to get your brand. Uh, you have to uh, build up your social media following, which is, again, uh, now I have another question about that, if you don't mind. Uh, um, again, you know, uh, as, as a private model, you know, uh, is, having, is having social media now part of, you know, again, you know, back to, you know, as much as, uh, you know, sex work is stigmatized, you know, um, uh, you know, now we have OnlyFans. Um, you know, porn, Pornhub is one of the world's biggest websites. Uh, I think big. I think Pornhub is bigger than Yahoo. I well, imagine it is. I don't yeah, think Yahoo's that uh, big. But, you know, again, you know, uh, uh, essentially, you know, I'm curious, you know, as much as, um, you know, the fear and stigma of sex work is definitely still there, has, has sex in general also gone mainstream? Or... <laughs> or am I just growing up and I'm like, oh, it's always been like this? Like <laughs> It could be, right? It could be. It's a, it's hard to tease those two things out. I do think um, social media has allowed the humanization of a lot of people in a lot of industries, like models. Now you can, you know, runway models even, you can go on their Instagram and see their daily life or weekly or whatever. You know, it's a curated version of reality, how much you want to let people in. But I mean, there's people live streaming their entire life all day now. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And so... We, those of us who are able to uncloset uh, more because we've sort of said, well, what the hell? I've been outed. I might as well show that I'm human. Or I have retired girlfriends who now can speak openly about the past. Um, Social media has allowed that. And so, yeah, it's jumped the shark a bit where you're like, oh, this is, these are just people. And yeah, she does porn, but then she's walking her dog also. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really good. it's it's really a good antidote to fear to see that it's just a human. It's not that mm-hmm. big of a deal. 
Right. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, especially Instagram, when you see a lot of those Instagram models, like a lot of Instagram models are definitely creating a kind of fake reality of, of what their life is. But when you get the, the genuine models on there that are really showing what their life is like, and the I think that's incredible. And fans only, or only fans? Only fans. Um, and you've got uh, Bella Thorne. Is it Bella Thorne yeah. uh, that joined uh, OnlyFans and ended up getting a million subscribers in like a couple hours, something like that? It's just incredible the the power and, and that people are actually looking for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have friends who've gone from in in from in person sex work to OnlyFans, and they're never going back to in person. They're safer at home. Their whole the whole world is their potential customer now, instead of mm-hmm. having to live in Manhattan to meet the one or two guys who can take care of you. There's a lot of overhead for in person sex work because you have to live somewhere where there's wealthy men. Those tend to be expensive places, Vancouver's, LA's. You know, um, a lot of them are never going back, and and that's probably safer and and maybe good in in some ways i think people will always want touch and so so the limiting factor for social media for us is that our clients are not willing to be on social most of our clients are not willing to have the tail number of their jet on our instagram right (laughs) yeah for obvious reasons these are men who are older they tend not to be on social media that'll probably change in a generation i i expect after my time uh, old rich guys will be on social media in the future or whatever exists then. But right now, um, for lots of reasons, these men want to be remain private. And, and if you are a bit too out there, that could harm your business because part of what you're selling is, is relative privacy. So this is a dance to show yourself as human, but not violate the privacy of your clients. Right. Right, right, right. You know, uh, you've mentioned this, uh, I think you've touched upon this a few different times. Um, what can be done to reduce the fear of of sex work, reduce the fear of this industry? Uh, yeah, what what would you say? I mean, the the shift from thinking that a person who you love and you partner with for life might might need other sexual outlets that are not you is a tough one for people's egos. Mm. I, I think we would have to admit that we are not as monogamous as we wish we were as a species. Uh, and if we could get there, we talked about European countries that are a little more evolved. My dad grew up in Amsterdam, so he's a bit evolved about all this stuff. (laughs) My parents, my parents are. Um, and yet when I've loved men, the idea of them abandoning me for somebody hotter and more fun was, was a threat also because I'm a human being. So I, I think, I think at this point I'm just interested in harm reduction. I'm interested in things like decriminalization. I don't think that'll ever pass. I think this country would want legalization because they're going to want their cut tax wise. If they're going to give us any rights, (laughs) I don't see them decriminalizing and, and decriminalizing is a shit show. Like porn is decriminalized in the UK. And so there's no regulations on porn sets. Guys, director, men can abuse women any way they want to. Mm -hmm. So decriminalization is not without its own set of problems, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're both better. They're both better than criminalization for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I think in a, I think I'm just at a point of harm reduction where all I know is that when you arrest sex workers, you make it harder for them to ever leave the industry. You make it easier for them to become a victim of either pimps or rogue bad cops or just 
bad people who want to take advantage of what's been done to them stigma and shame wise. So reducing fear would be nicer in the countries where it's decriminalized or, um, or legalized. It's still a very stigmatized industry. You know, I'm thinking about Australia or, or Canada where they have a bit Mm -hmm. better rights. I, I don't know that you can reduce fear as much as you can maybe just right now focus on reducing some of the worst of the harms. Yeah. And we're not, we're not perfect in Canada because we have uh, sex work is legal here. Um, but purchasing sex work is illegal here still. So right. the it's, Nordic it's model. A, a, yeah. It's a very broken system where, where it's only half of it is legalized, which is kind of ridiculous. It doesn't work either. No. No, it doesn't work no. either. I think part of it too is that like it's it's communication, it's uh learning, it's it's learning about sexuality. I think it's we've we've kind of hit this topic multiple times in multiple episodes where where we just need to be able to be more open and understanding with each other um in order to have these conversations. Like if you have a partner that that uh, has the need to go see a sex worker, that you live in a society that has those tools for you to create that communication with the other person, um, rather than just being like, we won't make it exist instead. Then you don't have to have that conversation. We do it with other things. Like when your partner goes and gets a massage, they feel really good, they relax. You don't say, oh my God, you're gonna like leave me for that massage therapist, right? Yeah, yeah. You it's happened, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it has, right? But <laughs> so, yeah, you have to find a way for people to not be as threatened by non-monogamy. I think um, Dan Savage talks about like the the sort of relative non-monogamy in a lot of the gay community, and and I don't, I'm not saying that's universal, but um, I think maybe sometimes they're a little bit they understand that a little, maybe because it's all dudes and they are a little more honest and. I mean, the, mm. the female, the level of female narcissism, the idea that some guy's going to marry you when you're 24 and he's only going to want to plow you for the next six decades <laughs> is, is really the height of narcissism, right? I mean, it uh, is. Yeah. And, yeah. and yet women say, I'm not going to have your kids and sign up for marriage and pick you if you don't make this promise to me that it's only me forever. And yeah. so we, we, we do this sort of fantasy because maybe we want the lie. I don't know. Or maybe we well, hope we, for it. Yeah, when we create this, like, white, I call it the, the white picket fencers. Um, this, this idea of, of the ideal life that, you know, you're going to get married right out high school. You're going to have the 2.5 kids. You're going to have the perfect house. Um, it's, it's everything that we're taught in the romantic comedies and all the Hallmark movies. Um, but I think now things are changing. I think the fact that millennials, we're not going to have that same life. Like it's just the reality yeah. of the situation. It's not going to happen. Um, so now it's, it's like we're picking apart everything and being like, well, you know, if I can't have this white picket fence, why is that my ideal? Why am I trying to get towards that? The Victorian sort of monogamy, one man, one woman thing has not always been the case in every society for all of history at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've gone in other directions before. Yeah, the Greek had had lots of different lovers for sure. Concubines and all these. I mean, look, I think we've got to get to a place where you can say like, hey, 
you're my partner. Let's hold my hand, loser. Let's do this. Let's make babies and live together and share a mortgage and struggle together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe, maybe I'll f somebody else. Maybe I hope I won't, but maybe I will. I don't, I probably, I mean, most sex workers, the, their clients don't want to leave their wives. That's their best friend yeah. on earth. They love her. They just want something a little different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like you said, there's all kinds of other reasons. There's people who are not married. Of course, there's, the clients are as diverse as, as anything else. But yeah, I think where it's a threat and where it induces fear is, as all of your episodes, is sort of a lack of understanding. It's, it's mm -hmm. always the same story. That which we, can't, we are confused by, we sort of detest. Yeah, yeah. And, and people create this kind of us versus them mentality. It's not that you're either a sex worker or you are married and have a bunch of kids. Um, and by being a sex worker, it doesn't mean that you can't be married and have a bunch of kids. Like there's no, it's, it's not a black and white thing. Right. No. So most sex workers have a, have some kind of a partner and many, many have children. It's the yeah, lady yeah. that you see at whole foods. It's the lady who's in your yoga class. You just don't yeah. know it. Uh, mm -hmm. Or men. I'm sorry to say women. There's lots of male sex workers. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, it's the same as when, uh, we did, uh, uh, fear of children and I'm child free by choice. And I get that a lot with people who have children where it's, it's a them versus us or kind of thing. It's like the fact that I don't want to have children doesn't mean that you can't have children. <laughs> like That's not a problem. Did you get that whole, you'll change your mind thing? Oh and God. Yeah, yeah. 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 Me too. Not up. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. I think I, I just. I think um, hum I'm trying to speak out and humanize and, and thank you for the opportunity to do that on your podcast. It's such, it's such an honor and I'm not promoting it. I'm not saying it's the world's best decision for a broke person who's young <laughs> to do. Uh, but I, I just think fear doesn't, doesn't help. And yeah, it's fine to aspire to certain things, but if you're aspiring to society, that's, that's, a total fantasy at the expense of the lives of people who are living in reality, then I have a problem mm. with that. I do. Um, I have a problem with women who think it's sort of male entitlement and the men who hire sex workers are all sort of jerks. And well, how many do you know? Oh, I've known a mm -hmm. lot and no, they're not. <laughs> it's I, I think there's this sort of odd hatred of the male sex drive and the male fondness for fertility and relative youth and beauty. And, I, you know, I study molecular biology at Cal, and so I'm a biologist by education, even though it's not what I do now. I find it odd to sort of be fearful and, and hate something that is quite natural. You are supposed to find fertile, relatively young women attractive <laughs> if, if you're a straight, if you're a straight guy, right? That's mm -hmm. not harmful. It's not evil. It's normal. Yeah. Uh, so, so with that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, um, for for uh, any of our listeners or who are perhaps you know in a in a place where um, you know they are uh, looking for uh, an escort or for a private model, um, you know uh, people who are who do need um, to fulfill their their needs but are unsure of where to go or how to do it, and they're confused. And Google is not helping. Um, <laughs> where do people find information about about these services 
that, you know, they may need in their lives. I'm not sure um, the current state of affairs in Canada. In, in America, um, you can go to the brothels in Nevada. I don't know if COVID has them closed right now, but um, mm. that was a very cut and dry place to get sex acts for money. And that's the only place in the U.S. where that was legal. Um, kink is sort of quasi legal. There's dungeons everywhere when they... When they don't allow sexual activities, they're allowed to stay open. Like I said, it's quasi-legal. It's sort of fuzzy. But there are dungeons in sort of every city, pretty much. And you can just Google, you know, your city and dungeon. Now, you know, yeah, finding like a sugar baby or a girlfriend. There's lots of sugar baby sites. I've heard from men that it's a real trial and error thing. you got to go on lots of sort of audition dates and find who you like. It's sort of just like regular dating. How you do that in these COVID times, I mean, Wednesday night, we're getting outdoor dining shut down as well in LA. So I guess mm-hmm. it's going to be tough all. to take anybody out for a few weeks, but hopefully that'll return. Um, yeah. We had, we had websites. Unfortunately, there was some very bad laws enacted in January, FOSTA SESTA, which shut down most of the websites. There were mm. bad actors, there were bad websites, but even the good ones got taken down. So mm. um, I know sex workers have taken to social media in a big way. I think there's hashtags. I don't know if hashtag escort is allowed anymore, but, probably hashtag sex worker. Uh, Everybody's on Twitter and Instagram more and more, Um, but it's a very messy decentralized thing, unfortunately. And that's again, because it's a delegitimized industry. So yeah, uh, it's a little bit more difficult than finding a dentist. Yes. (laughs) It's almost as bad as the American healthcare system, but not quite. Oh my God. Um, so, so I guess, you know, uh, uh, what, what would you say is a good way for, you know, both, both people on, on either side of the, of the equation, so to speak, um, to, to stay safe and to, uh, take care of themselves and the, you know, the person that they're interacting with. Yeah, I think, um, we have lots of ways. So some of them are like tech-based, like we have, um, screening apps and websites where we communicate, um, uh, we're not violating any guy's privacy. Girls don't care who you are. They just want to know that you're not the local ax murderer. Um, mm. and, um, you know, I ran, when I always ran background checks on guys, I always demanded a deposit and it's not because I cared about the money, but, um, it was a, a it was a way to cement that the guy that I was screening really was that guy. Right. Cause I could run all this right. information and then the, that's just uh. not the guy who shows up at the restaurant. So, yeah. um, and then, of course, in person, you have the low tech ways. You tell somebody where you're going, you, you know, park at valet. There's hopefully cameras on the way in. And, you know, it's just everything you do in dating as a, as a woman to try to not get murdered. For mm-hmm. guys, yeah, there's a lot of risk, right? Especially if he's got a family life that he's. Um, and uh, I know most smart men would never have met somebody at their home the first time, you know, go somewhere public. Because at least then if she robs and robs you, at least she was on camera somewhere. I mean, right. unlikely, of course. It's always unlikely, mm. but it only takes one. Um, I have heard that there are girls online blackmailing men saying, you know, you emailed and asked to see me. And now if you don't send me $500, I'll send all your info to your family or your work. Um, right. And those people are usually pretty quickly run out of the business via commentary online. But then they pop up again under another name and phone number. It's a real problem. Right. Uh the best guys can do is they have back channel communication sites where people can talk and then do, do their research. You know, I would, if I were a guy, I'd want to talk to that girl on the phone. I'd want to, I'd, or um, I know some of the young girls are doing like Skype and FaceTime. Zoom. 
Yeah, they're telling the guy, hey, just go out in your car or something. Because you can huh. get a much better feel for a person just with a few minutes of chatting, right? Yeah, it doesn't. Good. It won't always keep you safe from the crazies, but it's sort of one more link in the chain. You're trying to get a sense right. of a human of another human being. Um, you know, which I and I think because it leads back, you know, to the thing we're talking about. It's because it's you know, uh, sex is definitely a part of it, but it's also about the connection and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it's better. It's better, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sex is better with connection. Yeah, it's still it'll do in a pinch, even without it. But yeah, yeah <laughs> you've got in in Japan as well. They have the um, you can hire girlfriends and boyfriends, and it has nothing to do with sex at all. It's just oh. companionship. Often, often the work is often often escorting and or whatever you call it, private modeling has nothing to do with sex. Also, um, mm-hmm. it's but I don't want to shade. I don't want to shade people who are not looking for that. Like there's some people yeah. who just want to, you know, do something yeah. freaky and get out of there and not even think about it later. It's like going again, the massage therapist analogy. They don't really want to, they just want to clear their head and go home. And, and yeah. I think we have to have space for that too. Even if it's maybe not what I was looking for or somebody, it's not worse. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and therefore, you know, communication, communication between uh, you know, client and worker. Ideally, huh? if they would allow it, but uh, right. powers yeah. that be really want to crush that. Darn you, yeah. powers! <laughs> well, that's uh, the problem. You make it you you make it more complicated, um, and and you stop things, and and you don't allow for that communication to happen, which just makes it more difficult for everybody involved. It does, but people, it's the most basic need on earth besides food and water, and you will never stop people from needing affection, physical touch, kindness, Mm -hmm. access to somebody fun. Yes, maybe somebody beautiful or young or whatever it is you're looking for, even though that's not always what people are looking for. You're never going to stop that. So uh, people are going to always find a way. They're always, there's a, there's, in my business, before COVID, freestyling was what they called it, where you would just go to like a really fancy hotel bar or restaurant and just meet in the flesh, forget the whole internet thing. And a lot of people right. preferred that because they were like, to hell with the internet. I I, I just want to meet a human being in real life. And uh, when the lockdowns are over, I bet you that's going to be very popular again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to stop people from needing it. You're not. Yeah. Yeah, let's get those vaccines going, everyone. Uh, that's that's the reason. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's you know, uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, uh, as it was, uh, what did you say? It was Den- Denmark, Jeff. You were saying Denmark, yeah, Denmark. Um, you know, uh, now I'm curious in in because uh, I remember reading about that years ago. Um, but you know, I'm I'm just curious if. You know, if perhaps other countries look at that model and go, yeah, we should be providing these services, um, you know, because uh, I, I think especially as we learn to become more aware of, of our mental health and our body needs, you know, uh, and our sexual needs, you know, hopefully it can get away from the, the stigmatization, the othering. Um, and the fear of these uh, of, of sex and sex workers, and realize that it is a part of our society that you know is 
that does serve purposes and, and services just like any other service. So, Daniel, I've got a trivia question for you. How many countries do you think um, sex work is legal in? Hmm. Um, with an with an asterisk, some of them are are not a hundred percent legal, right. but in some form legal. Ten. Very close. Thirteen. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, you have you have uh, New Zealand, um, parts of Australia, Austria, hundred percent legal, Bangladesh, uh, where. Sex work is actually, or uh, male sex work is illegal, but female sex work is legal. Uh, Belgium, uh, Brazil, uh, half Canada, <laughs> uh, Colombia, Denmark, France, uh, Germany, which was the first country to legalize sex work in 1927, uh, Greece, and the Netherlands. I learned the go. whole. <laughs> I am. Uh, uh, I am ready when Jeopardy asked me that question. I'm gonna be like, thank you. Yeah, Jeff. there you go. I know I know Brazil turned down some US aid because the conditions that came with the US giving them a bag of cash came with them criminalizing prostitution and Brazil said nope we we respect our prostitutes but they're part of our society and we're not going to do that so IMF and US you can take your money elsewhere. Yeah, Brazil's an interesting country too because in Brazil pimps are illegal. Um so they they don't allow organized crime for prostitute or for sex work at all. Yeah, I'm sure it still happens because criminalizing stuff is not a synonym for uh, getting rid of yeah. it. But yeah, True. so pimps are another complicated thing. You know, I, I'm i not a fan of it. But on the other hand, some of the younger, maybe less savvy girls without some kind of a security system and manager might be very vulnerable. So sort of a, call it what you want, agent pimp, whatever. But if it was an ethical person who wasn't taking all their money and taking advantage of them and hurting them, uh, could, could, and is sometimes a very helpful thing, uh, Mm -hmm. lumping it all in together in this vision of what is sort of a very bad person is, is probably as inaccurate as anything else. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure. I've, I've always done everything on my own, but, um, but I don't think, I don't think all ancillary people who help, sex workers do their jobs are automatically all bad, right? right. If, yeah, uh, true. It's not fair boyfriend... to paint everyone with the same brush. No, in America, if he or if her boyfriend drives her to the appointment and waits for her and then drives her home so that she doesn't get a DUI after having a glass of champagne with her client, he is called a human trafficker, and that's a felon. That's, that's wow. insane. It's insanity. Uh, lumped in the same as somebody like the guy who came after me. So it's... These these laws are not well written, and this is the problem with fear: is there's a lack of understanding, as we've talked about. Um, but yeah, the workers themselves, I think, are I've I've met thousands and thousands of them over the years, and these are just not evil bad people. They're some of the best people. They show up for somebody physically and emotionally, and yes, sometimes sexually. And how? How that's neither a crime nor a sin. It's how can you how can you demonize these people doing work that's so important, and and makes people able to cope and survive. And mm-hmm. I I don't understand the demonization of these of sex workers. Yeah, you know? I think that really kind of wraps it up beautifully for what my last question was, which I think we've kind of hit on a, a numer- numerous times. Um, 
is that is is sex work good or bad <laughs> but i i don't know if it's that simple of a question i don't think you can really break it down into good or bad there's so much in between those two suit two terms in in my opinion yeah it's like many things it's complex it's it's in my opinion vital there are problems with it i'm of the opinion that governments cause most of those problems mm. i think there those are labor issues like in any other labor um and uh just because something has problems doesn't mean we try to legislate it away especially if we already know that that's impossible mm-hmm. so it's an industry full of good people i know them and it has some really bad problems yeah yeah oh great way well, to wrap it up uh, uh, Amy, I'm I'm glad that you are um, here sharing your story and your experiences. Um, you know that hopefully others who may listen or or other people, uh, you know your colleagues or or people who are looking to hire, you know, uh, sex workers, uh, you know, have a better sense of of what the whole experience is, and hopefully. You know, uh, can th- these conversations and you know changing perceptions can be uh, changed for the better? Uh, and I think mm. just like anything else, like like you've said and and like we've said, uh, uh, it's about reducing that fear and and uh, yeah, make, taking those steps. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We're not scary people, so thanks for letting us <laughs> letting one of us speak. It was it was such an honor to meet you guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I will confirm that I am not scared at all during this conversation. So Amy is not a scary person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, for for people who want to confirm with with us um, that that Amy is not scary, uh, they they can uh, find you on the socials and the interwebs. Amy, where can people find you again? So my official website is amytaylor.com and uh, I try to update it. You can also find me at Twitter, amytaylor1. I couldn't get Amy Taylor. I still want it. Um, and and <laughs> Instagram at amytaylorla. Thank you. And Jeff, uh, for people who uh, want to know more about Fear of Science and our past, present, and future episodes, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us um, at Science Fears on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and then if you want to give us some money, uh, we're also on Patreon. So you can support us that way as well. Yay. We um, probably won't give the same pictures that Amy would. but I'd, I'd buy those. <laughs> bring, on, bring on the pictures. I'm not promising anything. Oh, whatever. You're, you're, still worth, you're still worth the Patreon donations. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and as always, thank you to everyone listening. Uh, we hope that you stay safe, stay well, and stay listening. Uh, we will be back with a new episode again soon. Uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>